Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including Lafayette and Lake Charles, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum at b1bank.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Cafe Pavilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Professor of Finance and Director of the award-winning Birken Road Reports, Peter Raschuti. It's business, Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch Acadiana. If you live in Acadiana, there's a pretty good chance you're connected in some way with the oil industry. Most of us know somebody who works offshore. These men and women are gone for days and weeks, ferried out to massive oil rigs in the Gulf. So massive that they're often referred to as floating cities. They call them cities because there's a lot more going on on an oil rig than just drilling for oil. There's a whole community of people who, besides work, have to eat, sleep, get medical attention, go see a movie, work out at the gym, and more. Providing the real estate for these non-work activities on a floating hunk of metal out in the ocean is the specialty of a company called HB Rentals. HB Rentals is the world's largest supplier of temporary on and offshore accommodation modules. The company operates from three major hubs in Aberdeen, Scotland, Singapore, and of course in its headquarters, which is right here in Broussard, Louisiana. The president of HB Rentals is Deidre Toops. Deidre, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate right. you having me. Whether your company is out in the Gulf on an oil rig or up in space on a rocket, you need stuff. All kinds of stuff, from nuts and bolts to chairs, beds, protective clothing, maybe even a pest control contract, and a million other things, some of which you may never have anticipated or budgeted for. Businesses can take the unpredictability out of their supply chain by turning to industrial procurement professionals. One of the nation's most recognized procurement companies is Brewster Procurement Group. Their clients include NASA, and a who's who of major oil and gas companies. The founder, CEO, and managing principal of Brewster Procurement is Janet Brewster. Janet, welcome out to lunch. Thank you so much, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> now Deidre, being the most successful business in the world uh, at what you do is a sentence that's easy to say, but it's not so easy to pull off. HP uh, Rentals is a division of Superior Energy Services, a publicly traded company with uh, revenues in excess of four and a half billion and nearly 14,000 employees worldwide. But HB Rentals is bigger even than just oil and gas. You provide living spaces and other buildings to geothermal sites, remote construction sites, for the military, disaster recovery, and more. And these buildings aren't just shells. They come complete with plumbing, electricity, sanitation, and, and so on. I'm, I'm assuming the word rentals in the company means that you own the properties and you rent them out. Uh, if I'm an oil company, what would I expect to pay for a one-bedroom uh, <laughs> place on an oil rig? I know it's all location, location, location. Yeah, it <laughs> is. Absolutely. All location, location, <laughs> location. So it depends on how hard it is to get, a, get the okay. house to you. So if you're in a deep water uh, environment in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico, then it's going to cost you a lot that's more. That's a long <laughs> trip from shore, right? They yeah, and there's a lot more regulations involved, so it's highly technical in the offshore market. So the buildings have to be completely um, fire 
uh, rated, so they have some uh, regulations they have to meet that cause the cost of the buildings to be a lot more. Versus if you're on a rig in South Texas, the cost is a lot less to get those houses to you, and the, the structure of the house is a lot less expensive to build. Now, so, what about now when, when kind of the oil field is in a downturn? Uh, um, you must feel pretty good at least about having the diversification you've got for where these 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 uh, modules land. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's helped us a lot to fare through this um, economic uh, downturn in the industry, as well as being international. So a lot of our yeah, competitors in the true. marketplace are either in the onshore, the offshore only, or they're either just strictly U.S. or strictly international. So we um, are fortunate that we can play in all of those marketplaces, and it allows us to kind of weather those storms a little bit better. And Deidre, one thing is that you are a, a big company on your own, but you're part of a much bigger company and a publicly traded company. What is that like? Uh, are you like the um, kind of the, the the child of of, the, of Superior Energy Services, or what? Um, how do you how do you relate to the big company? Are you pretty independent, or how does it yeah, work? Yeah, we're actually run very autonomous. Uh, run our company very independent. Superior's got a very unique philosophy in that um, they've acquired a lot of oil field companies who were very successful, who had individual entrepreneurs that either started the business or had been with the business for many years. And they've maintained that in their philosophy. So they keep those of us who know our business and know how to run it well in place and allow us to continue to do what we've, we've always done well, which is innovate uh, for our customers. We call it practical innovation. So real um, in the field, on the ground, designing products that, that suit our customers' needs in, our e in each of our individual product offerings. Now, Janet, most of us tend to think that business operates kind of like we operate our household. When we need a dining table, we check out prices, take a look around, and make a decision based on what we can afford and go get it. Uh, obviously, we expect this process takes place on a grander scale when it comes to manufacturing an oil rig or outfitting a rocket going into space, but I don't think most of us realize that there is a specialized science of procurement that companies outsource to other companies. So adding another company to the supply chain would seem like it would just drive the price up, but obviously it doesn't, or you wouldn't be running a successful business. How does that work, Janet? Uh, in other words, uh, what do you know about sourcing material that, say, Shell Oil or NASA doesn't? Well, when uh, we got into this um, uh, integration or supply model um, back in 2000, um, we got an opportunity to work um, and supply uh, supplies for the shuttle program. The, uh, the shuttle and the International Space what would Station. I, what would I see, where would I see your stuff in the shuttle? Like the, the wet bar, the end table? You what probably is would see the post-it notepads. You would <laughs> see the felt-tip pens that they write uh, with. And um, the shell of the foam or the eggs that outfit uh, the inside of a astronaut's helmet. Really? Um, so many different things. We bought so many different thousands of lines. No, not no, too much tang, no. <laughs> but we bought pockets of Heinz, uh, packets of Heinz uh, uh, mustard, ketchup, <laughs> miles, and it's a you know it's a very the procurement that we did for NASA is so different from from um, the oil and gas sector. We were trained to um, first of all buy more on the quality component for NASA because to do a business with NASA is a very stringent process. You have to um, make sure that um, you order 
everything that's on that purchase order that you um, orders come with uh, MSDS sheets, which are material safety data sheets, certificate of conformance sheets. So we were trained, we were one of uh, the very few suppliers that were trained in the NASA's quality assurance, quality control aspects of, of supplying uh, a good to, to the space shuttle. I would think having NASA as your client would be a great marquee when you talk to other companies. I mean, because these guys have got to be the most I don't detail-oriented folks in the world, right? And they are basically the the model that NASA used or USA is um, instead of training hundreds or thousands of suppliers to get goods into the the NASA uh, facilities, whether they be at the Cape, Houston, uh, Webster, Texas, they took three suppliers and they taught us their quality assurance, quality control process. I want to ask you both a question that I was sitting at this table is, is, is in my head is and that is, you know, you both operate in, you're women operating in very macho industries. <laughs> um, how's it going? <laughs> I really have to say that um, being a woman and minority because I'm Hispanic by birth, um, there are organizations that I am affiliated with that basically uh, give us access to networking opportunities. Um, one of the, the organizations I'm affiliated with as a woman, the Women's Business Enterprise National Council. When you are affiliated with these organizations, you get access into networking opportunities which are very, very beneficial for us. So pretty much the corporates, whether they be in the oil and gas sector, pharmaceutical, yeah. um, um, media, mass communications, energy, you name it, they really have robust supply diversity programs in place that allow us to go in and participate in network and hopefully try to speak to buyers as to the commodities that we have to bring to them to the table. That's, and Deidre, you're you know you're in rooms with a lot of testosterone, I would imagine. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I actually speak a lot about this, and um, just from a practical day-to-day -day standpoint, I find the men in the industry have been very welcoming to us. I, I really tell young girls that the biggest obstacle to us being successful in business is ourselves. Um, I'm a big fan, I don't know if you've read it, but Sheryl Sandberg's book, oh, yeah. uh, Lean In, talks a lot about that. And we do mm -hmm. have some obstacles uh, in terms of our lifestyles right. and some challenges in trying to balance work life. But as far as working in the industry with men, I'm very humble and always eager to ask them to tell me more about yeah, yeah. whatever it is I don't know about. I don't know the technical side. I have a financial background. Okay. So, you know, I'm the accountant mi mindset, and so I don't know anything about drilling for oil or, mm -hmm. or anything like that. So um, I'm often very interested in learning, and so I'll introduce myself, and I'll ask them to tell me more about what they do. And, and the men are, you know, they'll bowl over to tell you everything yeah. they do know about mm -hmm. the industry, yeah. and so that's been real helpful. And I was, I was thinking, dude, the, um, has that business changed? In other words, uh, a module today out on an oil rig, does it look a lot different than what it must have looked 20 years ago? I mean, is it, they've kind of spruced them up or high-tech them yeah, up? Yeah, I mean, cosmetically, they've changed quite a bit. Um, again, in the land market, it's it's a more simplistic product, and uh, it's, it's more just trying to make the houses more comfortable, uh, more reliable and dependable, because when they're out and so far out and 
it takes three or four hours to get to them. You just don't want things like air conditioning to fail yeah. and, and those sort of things, especially if you're in South Texas and it's 110 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> and the same thing offshore. I mean, if it's if you have an, uh, an air conditioning unit or a gas detection unit that goes down when they're in the middle of the ocean, then you, you can affect their productivity oh, quite yeah. drastically. Mm -hmm. So y you more focus on the technology and making the units more reliable. What about places like, I was just thinking like the Dakotas where you had that oil boom and you had no place for anyone to stay. Absolutely. Do you guys operate in that business? We do, we do. And it was, uh, it's, it's, I traveled, when I first traveled there, I was surprised that that was happening in the United States. It looked like a third world country. I was just amazed. And, and it was a challenge. The cities there and the counties put some moratoriums on camps because the city didn't have the infrastructure to support it. Um, and it was causing such a problem to their crime rates and, and things like that. So um, we were limited in some ability to set up larger facilities, but as far as on the actual rig sites, yes, we do have quite a bit of bit wow. of them. Mm -hmm. Jan, speaking of going a long way out, are you going to be part of the Mars mission? I, I would love to. I think that um, uh, with the twilight of the shuttle program, uh, February 2010, was the last shuttle flight. I parlayed my model into the private sector. Okay. So, um, but you never say no to any opportunity right. that may arise. And like I said, the track record that we have uh, in the aerospace industry, I think would catapult me and put me in forefront of other opportunities that may arise. You know, one thing I've always wanted to ask, and DJ, I guess you know this answer. It, before, years and years ago, you go out in that rig and you were really pretty isolated and now, you got Wi-Fi. Um, how does that change? It seems like that would make it a lot more livable. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's great that they have that. It's quite a challenge. The data is expensive, so especially in these remote places. So they are limited to, so you, can't you know, just surf they all can't day. just Netflix all day long and <laughs> Facebook. And they pretty much try to reserve the communications for the oil fields business operations. But it, they do mm. have some access now to um, a lot newer solutions that are making that a lot better. And I'm, I have to believe that that makes their living conditions a lot better. I would think so. If you could communicate with your family and mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Right. What are you seeing? The prices dropped about 15 months ago or 20 months ago or so. Um, is it starting to show up? Uh, or, or did business just drop off completely? Or what did you think? No, I think it's continuing to, to decline. Um, I think we had companies that had budgets in place in early 15, and they continued to finish those projects. And so we're continuing to see the rig activity declining. Um, our hope is that it kind of levels out in the first quarter. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it's been a cyclical industry, and it's nothing new to Acadiana by any right. means. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, this has been a, a tough cycle for us. and. Mm -hmm. and you know, unfortunately, I think it's going to last a little bit longer than the others. So, that's uh, that's what we're hearing mm -hmm. at least. Yeah, there's a, but it is it is it is very much a cyclical business. You start talking to people about you know the 80s and such, and that's just built into it. Mm -hmm. when, when life's good, it's really good. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> you know. yeah, well, get it while well, yeah. it's good. Yeah. Yes, I, that's I would have right. to say a little different for me. Um, I would find, and I've, I've had mentors tell me that in the moment of the downturn of the economy is where you can most find opportunity. In, the, in, in what we can provide. And I think that with uh, my model of integration of supply really brings me up to the forefront. We do provide immediate cost savings. Right, when and, we and they're looking for that right now. And they are looking for that, and not only that, I mean, because you're right, oil and gas, this is our bread and butter here in our part of the world, but you know, there's so many other industries that also are looking to for the cost savings. 
I do have mm -hmm. to say it does give us, give us an opportunity to focus on some of those other opportunities. Because when the all field's good, it's really good. Mm -hmm. right. And 2014, it was everything we could do to keep up with the demands in our industry. And so you don't have the resources of the time to chase other opportunities. And so this is a good time for us to be, we're really focused on the disaster relief, disaster recovery industries, the construction industries. And so uh, it'll give us an opportunity Are there any that you guys to haven't, diversify. Mm, haven't <laughs> gone into that you're thinking of uh, mm -hmm. maybe other places that would need modules like that, uh, industries? Uh, that's probably what you do with when you have meetings though, right? I mean, just mm -hmm. try to figure out what the next place. That right, you might exactly, use. yeah. And I don't uh, think, um, you know, again, I think in the disaster recovery, I don't think that, that they've been a lot of um, focus on being able to set up temporary camps and accommodations. And, and I'm surprised that there are more of those incidents than than you think. I mean, it's other outside of just a, a major hurricane. You right. know, there are businesses who have a fire and they may lose their office or, or and so you right. can come in and you know set them up temporarily just like we do on an all-fill rig right. with housing communication running water and all of those things that they need and keep them operating so next cool. time there's a disaster i'll think oh it's yeah, awful right. but boy it's good for deirdre <laughs> there's uh the <laughs> right <laughs> now it's time to do the checklist a little part of the show where we uh, take a minute and ask you a quick question that you probably wouldn't find on a, on a loan application. Something. <laughs> I'm going to start with Janet. Uh, Janet, when you were a child, uh, were you in leadership or entrepreneurial ventures? This sort of been going on with you for a long time? I was not, but I have to say that in my family, my maternal grandmother, I believe, had a very huge influence on what I am today. My grandmother came from very mo a modest background. And where was that? Uh? In Honduras, Central America. And um, grandmother, in order, she had nine children, and in order to supplement my grandfather's income, had like a little side business where she would sell, you know, milk, um, cottage cheese. She would make the cottage yeah. cheese. And I think, you know, watching my grandmother uh, be an entrepreneur really had a lot of, bearing into what I am today and I and I, so I would have to say that no no leadership qualities when I was a kid but that stayed in my in, inside of me to make me want the hunger to go out and and, and set something off on my own mm -hmm. that was a good thing to put in yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. now Deirdre um have you heard feedback about your management style that led you to make any kind <laughs> of a adjustment? I guess these might be complaints or suggestions. I don't know. That's actually Stop kind of funny. Stop hitting people. That's a good idea. Probably the funniest thing I can tell you is that I have this gosh awful facial expression. Um, I'm very. <laughs> have you seen it already? No, I, I'm trying to explain it on radio. There's a. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, I'm a very analytical person, so when people are telling me something or explaining something, I, I look at them with a very confused... Oh, is that the look right there? Yeah, that's oh, probably yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I have a sketch pad. They I'll call put that it the, the squinted forehead or, or something. <laughs> so, so, and it's uh, apparently offensive to many people. So I, I've worked hard at trying to not do it, and so, but it, it doesn't work very well, so I end up looking kind of funny, like, like you kind know, of a, yeah, yeah. eyes wide open <laughs> and trying not to make the squinted forehead look. So uh, anyway, it's kind of funny. They, they tell me that they used to keep track of how many squinted forehead looks they got in their meetings with me, so... Oh, that would be a that would be a sign. <laughs> That's when I learned how body language is very important <laughs> in, 
in management. So I'm not the best at that. So you I think they, when they would see that, they would think something bad was, was happening down the road? Yeah. So I had to explain that it just means I'm processing and I'm, I'm thinking about what, you know, mm -hmm. what other information I want to ask. So. Do you, now do you like whistle or something like that? <laughs> that is not when it's time. <laughs> no, but I think I've made a lot of my direct reports more comfortable with the expression now that we've had conversations about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you, you said something very quickly and I didn't seize on it. And that was, you said a lot of your business is international and that seems to be maybe uh, less of a tail off in business internationally than we're seeing domestic. True. What's, what's driving that? Uh, well, I think the U.S. dollar had a lot to do with, the strength of the U.S. dollar had a lot to do with the declining commodity prices in the U.S. So we felt that impact a lot um, ah. more than, than the international markets. So yeah. When you put these modules out, you have to put them, have different languages in them? <laughs> we do, actually. Yeah, yeah there's a lot to think of. Mm -hmm. there's <laughs> all, yeah. And different customs that you have to, you know, um, you know, bathrooms in the Middle East are different than bathrooms in the United States. You so want to tell our audience how that is? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is it? No, I mean, it's just different customs. You yeah, know, they have yeah. different, um, they have ablution units where they have, um, you know, places for worship and, and things like that that we don't typically... Mm -hmm. plan for here in the U.S. Yeah, so video poker or something out yeah, there. Yeah, more the, uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I've, yeah, I want to ask you, Janet, because um, so many entrepreneurs we talk to, they're very successful, but they didn't st always start out so successfully. And, and you, were, um, you were smart, you were innovative, but you had a couple things that didn't work out. You got to this model from somewhere else. What, what were they? Um... You know, when you're an entrepreneur, uh, you have to be flexible, and you got to bend and go with whatever brings you to. Uh, when I started 16 years ago, um, oil and gas, obviously, like I said, our bread and butter, it's in our backyard. And um, I came with a mindset that, okay, we're going to go start something in oil and gas. What do we go? Where do we do? And the first thing that popped up to my mind, my husband's a very good you know, very good person to talk to. Listening to my conversation, well, it's a, why don't we start as an investment recovery firm? You know, we can cater to the oil and gas. We can go out and try to see if we can sell surplus steel commodities, uh -huh. however. So I said, okay, you know what? That sounds pretty cool. So that's how we started off. We started off as an investment recovery um, firm. And once again, through the networking that we have, through the affiliations of the organizations um, that I'm affiliated with, came upon a buyer who basically said, Janet, you know, I told him, hey, look, I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana, Bruce Procurement Group, I'm doing my spiel. And, um, oh, by the way, what do you do? Oh, all invest, I do uh, investment recovery. Oh, really? So kind of picked up, he goes, well, he goes, do you have, uh, we do have some excess steel and plate left over from a project that's sitting in Amelia, Louisiana. We're going to go ahead and, you know, scrap it. Would you like to get a digs at trying to sell it? You never say no. That's the second thing. <laughs> never say no. And I said, sure, we'll take, we a, can do take that. a shot at that. And we did. You know, so we took a shot at it, and lo and behold, we ended up selling and recouping every bit of the loss that they would have, you know, for this project that we had in the Gulf of Mexico. So that was the beginning of my, my, my first big success. It took me two years. And um, once again, you know, when we started... You know, we became the toast of the town, and it was a project uh, that was 50-50 partnership between two oil companies, and right when I thought I was going to get my foot in the door, they merged with someone else, so we got lost in the shuffle. Oh. So, 
like, like this, you got to be flexible. You can't let anything get you down. And once again, through the you know marketing, networking, given an opportunity with a buyer with United Space Alliance, they were looking for a company or a supplier that they could train in their process of putting goods into the door. And coming through, going through these expositions, and I went to Houston, Texas, walking in, and she's saying, oh, I see y'all do, mm, you bought excess inventory. Would y'all, do y'all do procurement? Of course we do. <laughs> you never say no. <laughs> so we did, you know, we, I thought I'd never hear from this lady. I told my husband, I'm never gonna hear from this buyer. Called about a week later and said, we were very serious about you coming in. We're looking to train suppliers to do, bring our goods into the, through the door. And you know, we like what you do, come on in and we'll talk. That was the beginning of my success. So, like I said, never say no to any opportunities that may arise. Um, you know, as a small business, you want to try to, you've got to be flexible. You got to think on the spot, but also too, you have to be able to have a track record. And that's what companies are looking for, you know, a track record of some sort to say, well, yeah, she's a viable business. Let's try to see what we can do with her. Okay. And two, the, the, what you have, what value do you have to provide to them? What do you bring to the table? So the, all those little questions that you may have are very, very important. That's a good lesson. And, you know, we, just about every entrepreneur we talk to has, they didn't, uh, find success just out of the gate, you know? Is it, took a, it took a while, a couple of chances. It's just being at the right place at the right time. Like I said, if you're not going to take advantage of your networking opportunities that are offered to you, you're insane. So, which <laughs> isn't good. And not giving up when they fail. Exactly. Yeah. An entrepreneur is probably going to have a lot of failures in there. They just have more successes than failures. You're right. And you know, you can't wear your heart on your sleeve. You really have to get yourself up, dust yourself off, and just keep going. And wear short sleeves. That's going to be another idea. That's teacher tubes. Janet Brewster, both of you are running big businesses, big in the sense of being successful on both a national and global scale, but also big in the sense that you're dealing with massive amounts of physical material. It's amazingly impressive that both of your highly successful operations stretch around the world, across the oceans, and out into space, and that they're based here in Acadiana. It's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you both for taking the time out to join me uh, today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you very much. Enjoyed this. Pleasure. My, <laughs> my guests on Out to Lunch today have been Deirdre Toops, uh, president of HB Rentals, and Janet Brewster, CEO and managing principal of Brewster Procurement Group. You can find out more about Deirdre's Rentals and Janet's Procurements by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Dominic Lloyd. Our theme song, Encore Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Our Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escadet. Special thanks today to Missy Benvenu Andre, she's the Director of Investor Relations at One Acadiana. Today's show was recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe B is open six days a week for lunch and dinner with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. The photos were taken today by Gwen Oquin. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's acadiana.com and krbs.org. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Calise Saloon. 
Wyndham Garden Lafayette is pet and family friendly, offering complimentary parking and Wi-Fi. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Cafe Vermilionville for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S. Providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by Business First Bank with locations throughout the state including Lafayette and Lake Charles. Providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum at b1bank.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette.